coming in at six feet tall, 215 pounds of damn bomb. Coming from St. Louis, both by way of the Ohio State University and now Hollywood, California, the CEO of the world's most dangerous website, BSO. It's the headline game. Welcome to All of our thoughts and prayers are with Bill Safety, uh, DeMar Hamlin, right now. You see something on national television that you're, you're not really are equipped to see. It was Monday Night Football. It's a game that everybody was waiting to see. And there's no way to, to, to sugarcoat it, you know, to actually watch someone, even for the briefest of, of times, literally pass away on the field and have to be resuscitated. Uh, that's not something that you easily uh, can erase uh, from your mind. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, while I was watching the game, when he made the the tackle, I saw him, you know, get up. And when I saw him get up, and, and I'm sure many of you understand this if you live in a household, you have a wife, you have a kid, you have a dog, you got a lot of stuff going on, you don't just live alone. You know, you after the play, your focus goes somewhere else. And I, I don't even remember, you know, what my focus, you know, went to. Was I, you know, uh, was I seeing what my daughter, what she was getting into? Was I, the dog getting into something? Was I talking to my wife? I don't, I don't know. I just know what seemed like maybe only two seconds later you see him on on the ground and your first thought and i'm sure this was a, a lot of you guys's first thought is we're so predisposed to injuries in the nfl your first thought is oh he has a concussion you hope he's okay but that's the first thought that you know it's a concussion you know, he's going to give the thumbs up. The game is going to go on. And, you know, say, you know, it, it sounds callous to say everybody just kind of moves on. But then they came back from the commercial break. Because often what they do is when someone is, is injured, uh, it gives them an opportunity to go to commercial and, and, you know, get their ads and everything in. Well, when they came back from commercial break, I believe, and I could be wrong, but it seems like the first person that they showed uh, was Josh Allen. And when I was in college, you know, I took a uh, a psychology uh, course, and a lot of it uh, of the course was about, uh, you know. Uh, facial expressions, um, understanding body language, you know, things like that. Uh, so honestly, it's one of the few things that, uh, at least scholastically, I carried from, you know, college to, to real life. And I remember a professor was like, the, the human face, you know, doesn't lie. But people can mask it. 
you know, if they've been doing certain things long enough. And football players are tough. So you don't normally see the emotion in their face. Their emotion is normally like passionate emotion, fired up. The adrenaline is, is flowing. But one expression that is kind of universally known, no matter if you're a man, a woman, a child, or anything, is fear. You can't mask real fear. You can't push that down when you're literally scared. And when I saw Josh Allen's face, what I saw was terror. And as they went to other players, that's what I saw. I saw fear. It's not something that you actually see on a football field a lot because those players, and, and you hear a lot of the players who are not media people talk about it, this, from they're wired to, when they see someone injured, no matter how badly, to just push it back in the back of their brains. But it's the difference between seeing someone tear an ACL and someone literally passing away in front of you and seeing people trying to revive him and save his life. When I saw those facial expressions, that's when I knew that this was not like your average everyday concussion or knee injury or, or something like that because you can't fake that type of fear. And thank God for the medical professionals who were right there on the money, knew exactly what was going on. And they've given um, DeMar Hamlin a, a fighting chance, which is really all you can you know ask for. You give someone a chance and you pray and you just hope that you know he pulls through because of their quick quick acting. And then I think as just humans, you sit back and you process something like this and you're like, his mom was, you know, in the audience. You know, his family is watching. His friends are watching. You try to process how that affects people. You try to process how, I'm sure he has close friends on the team, how they have to process that type of traumatic experience. Now, there's some disagreement on if the NFL or someone higher up told the players they had five minutes to get ready to get back in the game. We know it happened because it was announced on the loudspeaker. No one wants to take the credit for that or the blame for that. But we know it happened. And I understand you don't want to take the blame for that because you would then be looked at as a horrible person for the rest of your life. But that's the NFL. The NFL is a long list of contradictions. You know, they, they'll put in racism in the back of the end zone, in the back of the helmet. 
and then, you know, blackball Colin Kaepernick. You know, they say that they care about mental health and the safety of players, but then they add an extra regular season game. They kind of, the concussion protocol is shaky at best. There's documented proof that the NFL tried to uh, pay black ex-black players less in the concussion settlement because they felt that black people uh, have less of a mental capacity than white people. This is true. This is documented. They talk about mental health, but they want these players to go back on the field five minutes, literally after seeing a teammate uh, die on the field and have to be brought back. That's insane. It's insane. But not surprising, you know, for the NFL. What they do going forward, we just have to see. Uh, The latest press release that we got from them was, you know, the game is not going to be made up this week, but uh, week 18 will go along as scheduled. I think the right thing to do is just say the game was a tie and that's it. It's, you know, honestly, I think it's going to be difficult for the Bills and the Bengals, as well as probably a lot of players throughout the league to get out there on Saturday and Sunday and next week and play. It's going to be difficult regardless of what the outcome with DeMar Hamlin would be. I was talking about this with my wife. Just think about just You got to think deeper, you know. These players have moms and dads and wives and kids. Imagine, you know, you're the wife of a player. You're probably scared to death. You're probably scared to death. But the NFL, you know, it's a, I understand. It's a tough situation. I'm not saying it's not a tough situation. But you really can't depend on them to handle it uh, the right way. There was a lot of discussion on how the media handled the DeMar Hamlin situation. I thought ESPN and the NFL Network last night did about as best job you could do under the circumstances. I don't feel like they should be patted on the back. That's their job. And I understand, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're in media, you're, you're... Things happen. We shouldn't pat somebody on the back for, you know, not being insensitive. For not saying stupid stuff. Even though slowly but surely those are starting to leak out today. The dumb takes, the stupid takes. I think in the the heat of the moment, they handled it well. You could tell that someone like Adam Schefter, who's been insensitive to things in the past, um, really wanted to make sure that he didn't say the wrong thing. Um, I felt like the ex-player, specifically Ryan Clark, uh, was very good at expressing uh, it from a player's perspective. 
I thought the reporters on the ground uh, did a very good job of keeping people updated. I mean, people have to understand that's that's our job. You know, this is what we were trained to do. This is what we were schooled, you know, on. Um, and sometimes in media, things throws you a, a curveball, and you have to be really aware of how you're saying things, what information that you're putting out there. Uh, with social media, it's very scary because you can get a lot of misinformation, which I'm going to get into in a second here. But I thought for the most part, everybody did a good job. But once again, this is not like a pat on the back type of situation uh, because there's a young man that's fighting you know, for his life. Uh, so this shouldn't be like who was the best, who was the best at handling this. That is not, it's not that type of story. You know, you shouldn't. You know, like uh, my wife always says, uh, when people say that you're a, a good parent, and you get props for being a good parent, and she always says well, that that's the bare minimum. Every parent should be a good parent. If you, I mean, that's just what you should be. It's not a trophy for taking care of your kids or taking care of your wife or taking care of your husband. It shouldn't be, it's not a trophy for that. That's the bare minimum that you should do. There's nothing to, nothing to be celebrated. You shouldn't be celebrated for not being a deadbeat. So while I think they did a, an excellent job, I'm, you know, I think there, there was a little too much. This guy did great. That lady did great. And kind of forgetting, you know, the, what we're talking about here. So, and that's that's really the most important thing. Is that, you know, I think it's got to the point in 2023 that the media feels like they're a part of the story. And some of that is true just because of the way uh, media is consumed these days. But in this case, I think it would have been best uh that media falls back and let's keep the focus on on the young man uh that's fighting for his life speaking of the the media skip bayless obviously got a lot of attention for his tweets uh last night and i think what's important for people to understand is this is that the way our society is set up is a lot of times we're waiting for the person or individuals or companies or whatever it may be to mess up. That way we can, you know, jump on them. And secondly, I think as an individual, sometimes you build up such ill will from the general community that it isn't your worst, um, action that causes the most outrage it's just the timing of something that you do is what kind of pushes it over the top now sometimes that's fair and sometimes that's unfair i think there are times that people hate on people just because they're successful just because they're rich uh just because they're talented and it can be something that they know is not true or, or as bad as it's being made out to be. 
but they amplify because of that jealousy and that hate. Uh, that's not necessarily the case with Skip. I think there are definitely some some things that Skip has said and done throughout his career uh, that makes the the anger towards him uh, valid. I think other times, you know, Skip just knows how to play the game and and has made a lot of money off of that and that makes people upset. It makes people upset. And I've, I've mentioned this many, many times before. And, and now I'm actually starting to wonder, am I one of these people? <laughs> In the sense that oftentimes the people that are the most hated are the ones that make the most money. Are the ones that are the most famous. Are the ones that have the biggest exposure. And 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 I've said that before. And then somebody, I remember somebody recently was like, you know, do you put yourself in that, you know, category? And you know, I think about it for for a minute. You know, I've been in this game for eighteen years now, and uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well for myself. <laughs> and I got a lot of detractors, but. You know, I'm not at a, I'm not like Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or anything like that. But you know, I'm not, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. But whatever the case, I mean, that's those are just the facts. The facts are, you know, things that people say they hate the most are normally they're very successful. I mean, Trump became president. Tucker Carlson makes a, a whole lot of money. Clay Travis is on Fox. FS1, Fox Sports, college football. Skip makes six, seven million dollars a year. I, I I don't like to necessarily put Stephen A. Smith in that category because I, I do think he works really hard, but he also says some crazy stuff and he makes twelve million dollars a year. And like I never count other people's pockets because it's like you know, it's not my money. And obviously they're famous for a reason. But with Skip you know, I, I see the game. I've always have. I've told people this. Skip is self-important because you make him self-important. You make him self-important. That's why he makes all the money. Now, I think what happened last night was Skip tweeted the same way that Skip always does. But this time we're talking about life and death. So when you're talking about life and death, you have to be extremely careful about how you word things and Twitter is not the place to expect people to understand context so in this case you know if you're a media person and you're not like a terrible you know person you know you just say you know prayers up you give the facts of what you know and you kind of stay back because you don't want to be the guy there's, there's another guy from ESPN. I don't know what his, his name is, but I know immediately while all this was going on, he said, oh, man, start the game. I got a parlay going. So you don't, you know, you got you to think. You got to take your time. I think that's one of the, the most important things that I've learned is that really think about what you're saying 
Because you could say the most mundane thing and your haters and your detractors and the people that are jealous of you and all of this stuff, they're going to come after you. I remember I told people, this was before uh, the Celtics coach, before everybody knew all of the, or what details they end up knowing, right? I remember I tweeted very, just very generic. I said, it's, it's more complicated, more complex than what is being reported. Now, this was 100% factual as we found out. But, you know, you got these, you got bitter people out there. Uh, Rob did this and Rob said that and such and such and this is this and why has he still got a platform? Because they're evil. They're bitter. They don't like to see other people succeed. And like I said, in Skip's case, I mean, some of this stuff is valid. You know, what he said in context, I, I think most people understood. <laughs> but when you're talking about life and death and you already have a reputation of someone that's insensitive, you can't just say stuff like that and think it's going to, you know, fly. And a lot of people ask me, why doesn't Shannon Sharp just, you know, quit? You know, he got his, you know, Shannon Sharp is a Hall of Famer, a lot of connections um, in the NFL, has been on, you know, NFL Today, all these other, you know, TV shows before, has a very popular, you know, podcast. I think his interview with Deion Sanders got something like 5 million views or something like that, more than what Undisputed gets in a on a daily basis. Well, first off, it's these things called contracts. <laughs> if you sign a contract, you know, you, you, if you, you, I mean, you can always, you can quit anything. You retire at anything, right? But he won't be able to work. You know, if he signed, I don't know how long his contract is, but he signed a three-year contract, wouldn't be able to work for three years. And how do you, who set up the podcast? Did, did, is FS1 or Fox, are they providing the, the studio, the lighting, the, the money behind it, the funding. See, it's more than what you know. It's more than just, you know, I can just walk away. You know, he didn't come on the show today, and I think that had less to do with Skip and more to do with he's a football player, and he doesn't want to talk about LeBron on the day after this happened. His brother, and I remember this vividly as a kid, you know, his brother was almost paralyzed on the field. Uh, Sterling Sharp cost him his career, which was going to be a Hall of Fame career. If he if he would have continued out, there was a time that people actually debated who was the better wide receiver, Jerry Rice or Sterling Sharp. That's how good you know he was. But once again, you give these media people too much power. You give them too much power. Skip shouldn't have that much power over you. Stephen A shouldn't have that much power over you. These these they shouldn't have that much power over you. Because of that, that's why they're making the money that they do. Your best bet, if you won't skip or someone like this, if you stop acknowledging him, talking about him, putting his name in the papers, as they used to say, then the networks won't see the value in him. And he'd go away. The last thing I have to say before I, I get out of here, and thank you for listening, 
Um, Cause it was, that was a tough watch. I hadn't planned on, you know, doing a, a another podcast until maybe later in the week. But I felt like, you know, we all needed to kind of talk about this and get it uh, off our chest. But you know, I woke up this morning and then I see all these conspiracy theories about uh, Demar Hamlin was he vaccinated? Is it the vaccine that caused it? You know, and then it really frustrated me because it's. Once again, we're talking about life and death. It's not a political issue. It's not a Republican, Democratic, Democrat issue. It's a kid that's 24 years old. By all accounts, seems like the nicest kid in the world. Got an opportunity as a six-round draft pick to start. Has been playing well for one of the best teams in the NFL. And this is his life. It's not a political campaign, a political statement. It's not a conspiracy theory that should be kind of bandied about. People are just, it's just terrible. I remember way back when, when I first started doing the podcast, I think one of the things I, I would always say is that I always thought, uh, pre-Trump, I always thought about 75% of people in this world were like good people. Maybe even 80, 75, 80%. And Maybe 20 and 25% were like terrible people. But unfortunately, the 20, 25% of the terrible people were just very loud. But I really had faith that most people were good people. And then around, you know, the Trump era, the social media era, uh, the where we had the phones and we would see more of the stuff that was going on, you know, it, it really became clear that if we're lucky, it may be half and half. Half the people in this country are good and half the people are effing idiots. Terrible people. You know, you see like this guys talk about Dak Prescott's mom and all it's just it's just there's just evilness. And I don't know if it's a situation where most people are miserable with their own lives and they have to bring misery into other people's lives or they're so miserable with their own lives. The only way they can get attention is being negative and evil because you, you don't necessarily see it in public, right? You know what I mean? Like you don't, you, you see clips and things and stuff, but like, you you know, if you, if you're just an individual that just goes about your day, most people are nice to you, Right. I, I, you know, let me tell you a quick story. I get you. I, and it just, it encompasses everything that is frustrating to me about our country and, and, and the things that, especially as black people, we have to deal with is um, me and my wife, uh, before uh, we had our, our little girl, uh, Harper, she's uh, two now, uh, so feel free to wish her happy birthday. A birthday, same birthday as Jay-Z. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I have two daughters and my oldest daughter, her birthday is the same birthday as Michael Jordan and my youngest daughter is the same birthday as Jay-Z. So I assume that they're both going to be little baby goats. But we used to go and watch Thursday night football uh, at this bar, um, bar restaurant next next to our house uh, every Thursday. It was kind of a little date uh, night thing, which you can do when you don't have kids in the house. Um, and 
the ball was always popping. So sometimes when you get there, you can find a, a seat. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you couldn't. Um, and then you had to wait for people to get up at the ball or whatever. So one, one day we go in there and uh, all the seats are taken and, and everything. And we're sitting in there. We're just kind of standing, watching the game, waiting for somebody to sit up. And there's this older white couple. And this is like in prime Trump years. You know, now when I say older, I mean like 70, 80 years old. You know, like you think like maybe their parents had slaves type of old. And I'm looking at them and I'm just thinking, you know, like I said, it's prime Trump years. I'm just thinking, you know, these these people, grandparents probably had slaves. They're probably MAGA. You know, they're probably Trump. They probably hate Biden. I'm thinking all of this stuff just swirling in my mind, right? And... The, the older white woman gets up and starts coming towards us. And like I said, she's like 80 years old. And she comes up to us and she says, hey, you know, I just want to say, you guys look like a really, you know, nice couple you, and everything. Uh, we're we're going to leave in about five minutes, but I don't want anybody else to take our seats but you. So why don't you come over here and sit, you know, by us for a while. And then when we leave, you can have the table. And I just was, I was just flabbergasted. <laughs> like... On the one hand, I was flabbergasted just by the act of kindness. And then on the other end, I'm like, the society has turned me into this person that just assumes people are bad. And we went over there and talked to these people for five, you know, five, ten minutes about the grandkids and how they lived in the area. And, and they talked to us about stuff and just the nicest old people that you can meet. These 80, 80 year old white people. And it was just sad to me that, like, our country has you on edge like that, that you just assume everybody's terrible. <laughs> and I think that's why you have to take a step back sometimes from social media. Because <laughs> it's the worst of the worst. It's the worst of the worst. And even then, you still think, like, are they being nice to me in public? But what do they, what do they think behind closed doors? It's, it's just... It's very frustrating. And then you see a, a young man fighting for his life. You think there would be something where everybody would be kind to each other. You, you did see a lot of that, a lot of that unity. So it gives you hope. But then you see the other side, and it's like, my God. If not, sometimes, you know, let's just be honest. Sometimes you just think Thanos was right. I appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe to Headlines with Robin Littow on all of your podcasting networks. Check out the site, blacksportsonline.com, for all the topics that we talked about today. You can follow me on Twitter at BSO, Instagram, and YouTube, BSOTV. You can check me out on TikTok. Robert Littell BSO and be sure to like our Facebook page Black Sports Online and for all of you that's been rocking with me for almost 20 years now with Dollar Nares for life